so who in here loves a good like HGTV show, maybe like House Hunters, you know, uh, Love It or List It. If you're a little old school, you might be like, who Trading Spaces? Anybody? All right. Uh, speaking of Trading Spaces, Brandy and Steve. Brandy was the hugest Trading Spaces fan, like, you know, 10, 15, whatever the show was on forever ago, right? But today is actually Steve and Brandy's 18th anniversary. So shout out to you guys. Man, like, just super cool. Uh, like, love, 18 love. years is huge. I was asking Steve earlier who put up with who, and the verdict was that she put up with him. So just to clarify. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, congratulations on that, you guys. It's an amazing achievement. And um, so, yeah, Trading Spaces. What about Chip and Joanna Gaines? Who's been to Waco and all those kind of things? All right, cool. Well, talking about excellence being, you know, having an excellent spirit and excellence being our goal, we're not going to talk about HGTV. Uh, I'm going to bring it to sports because that's just more relevant for me. So sorry about getting your hopes up. Um, but yeah, so sports, right? Like a big sports fan. We were talking about sports earlier. I'm not going to say roll tide from the stage, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, love sports. The, the, the pageantry, right? The history, the competition, the storyline, there's so much going on in sports and it's just super exciting. We're a big sports family. If it's not Paw Patrol or something on TV, it's usually a sports game. We had last Sunday, we watched like the championship series, the college world series and Ole Miss dog piles, confetti, the whole thing. And then later that night, the Stanley Cup finals was on and like the, they, were, they won the trophy and stuff. So just super cool. But when you look at sports and athletes and teams and stuff like that, it's really, you don't have to look that hard to see that excellence is something that they strive for, right? You look at all the greats, you look at anybody who's ever done anything in sports and you can see that excellence was something that they thought about, sought after and went for. Like Michael Jordan, right? Tom Brady, Venus and Serena. And I don't know if you've seen like the King Richard movie, but like those girls were going after it at like 12, right? They were going after it 100%. Michael Phelps, Muhammad Ali, um, Joe Burrow and the 2019 LSU Tigers. They're on that list. Come on. Uh, you know, Kobe, Drew Brees, all those people, right? They're, they thought their daily lives were different. They, their diet, they, they had an excellent spirit when it came to their diet, their motives, their disciplines. Most of those people had uh, an excellent spirit with their integrity and their convictions are just different than what normal people kind of go after and when you look at it like you know they're going after all those things they're working day in day out like giving it everything they have and they're going after prizes and trophies and things that are really of this world so when we look at our lives as Christians how much more should we be excellent in our lives to to serve God and to to give him everything that we have so when I look at the Bible, it says that, you know, that God is excellent, that he is excellence. And I am made in God's image, right? One day I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to give an account for everything that I've done and everything I've said. So therefore, uh, Colossians 3.17 says, whatever I do or say, I should do it as a representative of unto him, right? And because of that, I know that God will cause everything to work together for my good because I am loved and called according to his purpose, right? So there's this, this, this flow that needs to happen And when I realize that I should be excellent because God is excellent and he has called me to be excellent. So when you look through the Bible, front to back, there's tons of examples of excellence, right? Jesus was excellent. Tons of, like, you know, there was excellent spirits in a lot of people. But there's a specific guy we want to talk about today that kind of exemplifies things and gives us some really practical ways we can apply an excellent spirit to our lives, and that is Daniel. You will know Daniel as the guy who was thrown in the lion's den. All the kids know the story. Uh, he had his friends get thrown into the fiery furnace and stuff like that. It's some really cool stories in the Bible, but we're going to pick up in chapter 6 and uh, kind of see what the Bible has to say about Daniel and how we can pull an excellent spirit out of that. So uh, 
Daniel 6 verses 1 through 5 says that it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give an account so that the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. Then the high officials and satraps sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. These men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Yes. And so to give you a picture of an explanation of actually what's going on, how did Daniel end up here, right? So I'm going to just break it down for us. So Jerusalem and Israel, they're conquered and destroyed by uh, the Babylonians, right, under the leadership of King Nebuchadnezzar. And as Babylonian policy, they um, issue an exile, right? And so which means that they went into Israel and they grabbed the smartest, the most intelligent, the most strongest, craftiest men and women, and they brought them to Babylon to be trained up as Babylonian, Babylonian citizens, right? In hopes that their talent, their gifts would contribute to their empire, right? And in the Bible, it says that there was a group of four Hebrews that were a part of this exile, right? And that's our, our friend Daniel and his friends, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, right? And so here's Daniel. He's taken from his home. He's taken from his family, and he's brought to enemy land to be trained up as one of them, right? He's got to learn their literature. He has to learn their culture, their language, and the Bible says that the king actually even changed his name. That, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a bad time, right? I don't know if I would uh, have handled that very well. I would have been angry. I would have been confused. I would have been like, I'm, I'm done. Like, I'm no good for anyone, right? But Daniel did not have that approach. He did not have that attitude, right? As you read about Daniel's story in Babylon, his journey, um, there was some amazing characteristics about him, right? In chapter 1, you find that uh, what's called the Daniel fast, right? And Daniel, this is Daniel and his friends. They don't eat the meat or drink the wine um, of the Babylonians, but instead they eat vegetables, and as a result, they grow stronger than the men on the king's diet. In chapter 2, we find that Daniel has a gift of interpreting dreams, right? And because of that, it allowed him to save his companions and also gain favor with King Nebuchadnezzar. In chapter 3, we probably, most of us, know this story, and it's Daniel's friends, which their names were changed also, and we probably know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Radshak and Benny. Yeah, if you have kids, Radshak and Benny, holla, <laughs> veggie tales. <laughs> and so, um, and they're thrown into the fiery furnace, right? Because they, they chose not to bow down to the king and worship him, right? But an angel of the Lord comes and rescues them. And so then on, in chapter 4 and 5, Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, right? He has risen and now he has fallen. Another king comes in by the name of Belshazzar, Belshazzar, and he rises and falls, right? And then by the time we get to chapter 6, 
we are on the third king, right? Third king by the name of Darius. And Darius, in an attempt to save or um, uh, an attempt to regain control of this empire, he divides the empire into 120 provinces, right? And he creates what's called a satrap or a leader, right? And he places the leader over the 120 provinces, right? And then over that, he creates um, uh, three governors, right? He issues, uh, he establishes three governors. And one of those being Daniel, right? And then as you read, what we, what Jared read is that now Darius wants to make Daniel leader over the governors, right? So leader over them all, right? And what's important that we should realize here is that Daniel is not a Babylonian. He is not a Babylonian. He is a Jew from Israel. He did not go to their schools. He did not come from their elite families. He did not have the financial backing like those of the land. He was an outsider, right? And so here we have an outsider who is risen to the top and given favor over everybody, over everybody. And so how come this outsider is given favor? The Bible says it's simple. In chapter, um, in verse 3, it says that Daniel was able to rise because he distinguished himself because he had an excellent spirit within him. So, so. good. So good. And kind of before we go any further with this whole excellent spirit thing, we want to kind of clarify that we're not talking about like perfection, right? Like perfectionism is a thing that we can kind of strive after, but uh, when we set excellence as our goal and pursue excellence, we need to be fully aware that sometimes we're not going to hit the mark. We're going to fall short, and that's, that's okay, but because as we develop an excellent spirit inside of us, we can look at our shortcomings, we can look at missing the mark, we can look at a, a, a failure, right, as an, uh, as an opportunity for growth and development that can, that can sharpen us instead of like wallowing in our self-pity, right? So we don't want to, we don't want to shoot for perfectionism from a point we want, we want to just strive for excellence and set excellence as our goal. So as that consistent pursuit of excellence um, or carrying a spirit of excellence in our life, there's some things that, that carrying a spirit of excellence can do for us, right? Uh, and Daniel, you'll see a lot of these in, in, the, in the story of Daniel. So an excellent spirit will cause you to be distinguished in a crowd. You'll be, like Jesus was talking about in the New Testament, the light and the darkness, right? Carrying an excellent spirit can do that. An excellent spirit will allow you to rise above the circumstances that could seem hopeless, it might look like a hopeless situation, but because you pursue excellence, you can get out of that. An excellent spirit can cause you to be successful, even if there's people around you trying to bring you down. You might have been in a situation in your job or something like that where you just were trying your hardest, but everybody around you didn't like that, right? Um, an excellent spirit will open doors for you no matter what level of education you have or how much money you have in the bank, right? That one is huge for me. 1 Corinthians one twenty seven is a verse that I've always stuck on because it says that God didn't choose the wise or the strong things of the world. He chose the foolish and the weak things to put to shame the wise, right? That, that no matter your pedigree, your education, or how much money you have in the bank, God can still use you and still wants to use you in a major way. So an uh, excellent spirit will allow you to be in... Um, in, with find favor with people who are in, in uh, positions of influence or leaders. And the, the kind of the sum up of all of it that we kind of go to is that an excellent spirit is what God requires out of you to maximize the gift that he put inside of you, right? So an excellent spirit is what God requires out of you to maximize the gift that he put inside of you. So 
looking at how we can walk out a spirit of excellence and how we can pursue that in our lives, we want to give you three obstacles to excellence that can kind of hinder us. So y'all ready for those three? All right. So uh, room might get quiet as we start talking about these, but no pointing fingers and stuff, okay? So <clears throat> entitlement is the first one, right? Entitlement. That's the first obstacle that we can have to pursuing a spirit of excellence, right? And when we talk about entitlement, we're talking about uh, mistakenly perce- perceiving a need or desire, whether it be blessing or kindness or whatever. We mistakenly perceive that as our right. We believe that something is due to us or owed to us, and it's rightfully ours, and that because of our title or position or who we are, that it's just automatically ours. We don't have to do anything for it. It's just going to fall in our lap, and it's okay, right? Uh, maybe because of your last name or, you know, associations that you might have with people or how much money you have in the account or your tenure at a job or seniority that you carry in your position, right? You're just automatically assuming that you're going to get certain things and you're entitled to certain things because of those kind of things. But, uh, the attitude, that brings you to a place where you're, you feel like you're excused from being excellent. I don't have to try. I don't have to give it my all. I don't have to give it my best because it's just going to come to me anyway because of who I am. But if we really look at uh, like attitude and the energy of being excellent, when we do that, that'll take us further and even faster than entitlement would, right? Being just like sitting there waiting for it. So uh, Daniel was an outsider who was groomed by Babylonian culture, and a lot of the other satraps and leaders were born Babylonians. Their parents might have worked at the, the uh, you know, city hall kind of thing, and they were like, you know what, that position's going to be mine one day because of who my dad is or whatever. They, they, went, they were, grew up in the educational systems, and they might have went to the colleges and knew professors and had connections and all these things, and Daniel was thrown into the mix from, no, from out of nowhere, and he winds up getting those positions, and he winds up getting promoted. So they had this, this sense of, I'm entitled to these positions, and they really, in all reality, like you said, Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. He was, all these kind of persecutions came his way because the people around him were entitled to the things that he, was, he started to be given. So we need to remember that entitlement is always threatened by excellence, right? Entitlement is always threatened by excellence. So as you carry an excellent spirit, as you pursue excellence, people who have an entitled kind of attitude are threatened by that. So that's why, like I said, a supervisor or people at your job might just like throw you in the corner and disregard you and like be, be ugly to you and mean when you haven't even done anything to them. You just show up and show out every day. Like you don't have to do anything to do anything. So entitlement isn't threatened by excellence. And another thing that we need to remember about entitlement is that it will rest in past progress, right? Like you, you are entitled to what's coming your way because you did something 10, 12, 15, 20, 30 years ago, right? I like to think about uh, Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite. He's still like, you know, in his 40s and he's living in his camper, throwing footballs at a camera, thinking he's like the, the hottest stuff because of what he did in high school and like glamour shots, all those things. Like we need, we need to not be Uncle Rico, right? We need to not, I don't, I don't care what you did in high school, like your glory days, you still got your letterman jacket, whatever it is, like it's all good, it happened, but we can't like, we can't be entitled to think that our life is done because we reached a pinnacle or we did something in the past, right? We need to always be moving forward and uh, like, you know, think about it from the NFL level. The, the NFL quarterbacks don't care about how many yards you threw in the homecoming game in high school. They're, they don't care about what you did then at this level because they're at a different level and they're competing differently. So uh, when we think about entitlement, there might be some signs and things that kind of say maybe you're dealing with a little bit of this. So uh, as we read these, if something sticks out to you, like I said, no, re- no reason to point fingers or elbow anybody next to you, but just kind of listen and see if this, this might pertain to you. Yes. So signs, you may have a sense of entitlement, all right? 
you held the door open for someone and they didn't say thank you and now you feel some type of way (laughs) and your whole day is ruined (laughs) okay (laughs) you go into the fast food place and it better be just that fast food right it's your right to be heard It's your right to go the speed limit and not be hindered by the person in front of you going five miles under the speed limit. That's real, though. (laughs) The food delivery guy brings you food, and there's no sauce, and you're like, I can't even eat this. I'm I'm guilty, y'all. I'm guilty, okay? So the point is, really, is when we start seeing things that we are entitled to them, we stop being grateful for them, right? But why? Because I deserve this. I deserve this. When in all reality, the world does not owe us anything. God does not owe us anything, right? And that may seem harsh, but the truth is, is that it's all a gift. It's a complete gift, right? Let's, let's look at what we actually, des- actually deserve, or deserved, right? In Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned, all. So all of us, everybody in this room, we have all sinned, right? And so Romans 6.23, it says the wages, so the wages, what we are owed, what you're owed, the wages of sin is death. So all of us, all of us sinners, what we are rightfully owed, what we deserve is death. But thank you, Jesus, that you did not leave us there, right? You did not give us what we deserve, right? That we have a new life washed by his blood, right? And then in this new life, we can throw off the sense of entitlement and say, Lord, it all belongs to you. All of this is from you, and I will take my day-to-day, everyday life, and bring it before you as an offering because to give you glory and for, to give you honor. Amen? Yeah. And so, in this new life, right, it's all a gift. It's all a gift. And if it's a gift, we can be grateful for it. We can have joy in it, right? If it's a gift, we have someone to think for it right? And the more you and I realize that there, there's very little in life that we actually have the right to or what we deserve, the more we will experience gratitude and joy and absolute love in this life, right? And so, number one, entitlement. The second obstacle we can face is perspective. Perspective or the lack thereof, the wrong perspective, not seeing things in the right way, okay? So bringing it back to Daniel, if we remember when we get to chapter 6, Daniel is serving the third king, right? He's serving the third king, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, now here we are with Darius. Daniel could have looked at the situation and been like, hold up, I see a theme here, 
you know, he could have looked at the past performances of the other kings, and he could have excused himself from excellence because he just didn't see how this was going to go down, right? How this was going to succeed because this king failed, this king failed, Darius is going to fail, right? And so I think that a lot of us, we don't bring excellence to something because we don't see the potential in it, right? And so we don't maximize our possibilities because we excuse ourselves from being excellent because I don't see where this thing is going to go, so I'm not wasting my time with it, right? And so we have the attitude of, why should I give my all to this job? Why should I care about this program? Nobody else does, right? Why should I give my all in this ministry? People look at, some, at things. We tend to look at things, and we determine whether or not we're good, we would give our best to it, right? And so let me ask you a question. What does something have to look like for you to determine whether or not you will bring your excellent spirit to it? Okay. Yeah, I think it's a, you know, it's a great question to ask because at the end of the day, like, we have to make a decision. Excellence, pursuing an excellent spirit is a choice that we make to go after. And uh, we make that decision on the inside to bring excellence to the places that God's called us to. And it's not for recognition. It's not for rewards. It's not for promotion. It's not for raises or all those kind of things. But we bring the attitude of excellence because God has called us to bring that attitude no matter what the situation may look like, Right. We have to kind of ask that question and work through it. But excellence really, at the end of the day, isn't an on or off switch, right? It's not like something we could just flip on, flip off whenever we want to. It's kind of like it's something that it has to be a part of who we are. It has to be a daily choice that we go after and it has to be part of who we are. So people who carry that excellent spirit, they bring their gifts and talents and they, they invest their gifts and talents to the business or ministry or relationship or whatever it is confidently knowing that when they bring that, it's going to be the catalyst for change. It's going to be the difference maker in that situation. Like, it, it could be small now, but as I bring it, it's going to, it's going to get bigger and grow and stuff like that, right? So uh, we can't let our perspective on things dictate our attitudes toward bringing excellence, right? Uh, how many know that we don't see things the way the world sees things, right? We have a different, we have a different set of eyes. Uh, we have to see things how God sees things. And the last time I looked around in the Bible, like, there was nothing too dead for Jesus to resurrect, right? There was no person too far gone for him to go and reach out to. And if his perspective is that there's still a way, there's still hope, there's still a chance, there's still something that can happen out of this, and I'm going to bring my best to it, then my attitude shouldn't be anything less than what Jesus would have brought to the table, right? So if he brings his best, I'm going to bring my best. And uh, we need to see things from God's perspective. We need to see things from God's perspective. Always see things as hope. We'll bring our excellent spirit to the table no matter what. And uh, God will do some amazing things. So sense of entitlement, lack of perspective. And Risa, you can come on up if you want to, uh, as we start to close things out in the next few minutes. Uh, the final thing we need to talk about uh, as an obstacle to excellence is complacency. Uh, or, you know, put it another way, contentment being okay with mediocrity or being okay with settling, those kind of things. So how many people do you know or have you seen in this day and age that are just satisfied with okay, right? Especially in our culture, it's huge, right? People are just like, I'm cool here. They'd, they're okay with being average. They're okay with settling for second best, uh, doing just enough to get by, right? It's kind of a common thing. And oftentimes we settle or we, we stay mediocre because it's typically the easier road to take, you know? If we're honest, 
pursuing excellence doesn't sound necessarily fun, right? Uh, going after things and pressing towards a goal, working hard or serving hard or all those things, it sounds a lot harder than, you know, just being mediocre and kind of just flying under the radar. But <clears throat> it's, it's definitely worth it when we invest the time. So, and also the, the time we look at it too, like uh, excellent spirit will get you to catch a lot of flack, right? Daniel caught a lot of flack because he pursued excellence every day. And he didn't do anything wrong, but he was always kind of like in that persecution area of his life because of his excellent spirit. And a lot of times people catch flack for being on the top. I know some of you may not like the example, but whether you believe it happened or didn't, the Tom Brady scandal, right? The deflate gate thing that happened in 2014. Um, like I said, just open, open eyes. So let's have a good perspective about this. Uh, <laughs> So the deflate gate thing, right? So Tom Brady and the Patriots were accused of deflating the footballs in the AFC Championship in 2014. And uh, like I said, whether you, whether you think he did it or not, his response to the situation was kind of like legendary and it really applies to the situation, right? So after being questioned about the whole deflate gate scandal, this is Tom Brady's response to it. He said that people don't want to believe that there were great positive things that went on behind what we had achieved. I think that people want to believe there's always a shortcut to take and things like that. And then they, they kind of go on to say that if you're coming into a game with the attitude that the balls are a few PSI underneath the regulation, you probably wouldn't come in with a winning mindset. You didn't have a chance to win anyway, right? And it's an attitude of, like, we, we want to see things not as they are, right? We don't want, they didn't want to look at Daniel and think that Daniel got promoted and Daniel got the positions that he had because he worked hard and he brought an attitude that was just A plus every single day. Nobody wants to believe that that's what it took. You know, LeBron's putting in work more than anybody else, right? Like there, people, people are doing things that are, that are a lot harder and we can't, uh, we can't let that mindset infiltrate us because Daniel excelled in everything that he gave every king, right? Darius, Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar, every king he was under, he gave it his absolute best and all the others around him were just trying to squeak by and they didn't like it and they were always trying to take him out because of it. So most of the time going through the process of being stretched and growing it seems too hard or too painful or we don't like how long things are taken for us to get there. So we settle for less than what God has for us. But Daniel was a fantastic example of the attitude that we should carry day in and day out. And that's the attitude that just enough is never enough. Just cutting by and just squeaking through is, is never enough. God always wants us to go above and beyond because he is an above and beyond God, right? Amen? Um. So I had a situation that happened the other day. Um, how many parents in here, you know, when you are correcting your child, uh, the Holy Spirit uses that as an opportunity to shine some light in you, right? Every single time. Every time, every time. So uh, the other day, so we have four children. We have an eight, uh, f eight five, three, and two-year-old. And so I told my eight and my five-year-old, I said, okay, it's time to clean your room, okay? And so they, they go in their rooms, and my five-year-old, he's at a point in his life that I am teaching him how to clean, right? I am teaching him that you don't just throw everything in your closet and shut the door, that there is a place for things, right? So I'm in there with him. I'm helping him. And some time goes by, and I walk out, and I realize that my daughter is on the floor, and she does not look happy. And she proceeds, and I'm like, are you okay? What's wrong? And she tells me, well, it is not fair that I have to clean my room and that I have to do it alone, right? 
And so I go, to, I start to explain to her why I'm helping her brother and that there was a point in time that I helped her and I did the same thing for her. But now as an eight-year-old that you are more than capable of cleaning your room by yourself, right? And so after a little bit, I realized that she is not vibing with that, right? And so I'm like, okay, well, let's just get straight to the point, right? I feel that you... Like, you, like the benefits of being the oldest, the benefits of going this place, doing this, having this, that the littles can't, right? You like the benefits of being the oldest, but you don't like the responsibilities, right? And so it was like, Holy Spirit checked me. I feel the sad thing about it is, is that we could find that in the church, that we don't like the benefit, we want the benefits of being a child of God, but we don't want the responsibilities, right? We want the, we want the blessing, we want the provision, we want the promises of God, but we don't want the responsibilities of go love that person, now go do that, now give that, now it's time to level up. We don't want that. We, we are okay with just being, right? And we can't allow complacency to take root right? No matter what, why, no matter why you feel comfortable in your position, right? Whether that be of fear of failure or discouragement from past hurt, or it could just be like, this is how my family have always done it. Just sitting on a dock of the bay, wasting time, right? Right? This is how my family has always done it, right? And so no matter what it is, no matter what it is that you feel like you don't want to go after the things of God, we have to shake it off, shake it off, right? And we have to fix our eyes on the prize. We have to run this race with endurance, with excellence, and choose to live our life in a way that brings God glory, right, and honor, so who's ready to walk in a spirit of excellence? To walk in the spirit of excellence. Entitlement, you have no hold. Right? Perspective, I have heaven's perspective. Right? Complacency, no. I'm going. God, where are you leading me? Right? Come on, church. Come on. Fix your eyes. We are called to more. We are called to more. So, Amen. if you Amen. want to close out. She ain't just cute, y'all. She can preach, too. <laughs> y'all, uh, let's just all stand together as we close today, guys. So, I love that you, uh, you said that verse Hebrews 12. I think we'll kind of read that as we close. And uh, Hebrews 12 is one of my favorite chapters. It's a great kind of uh, just all-around verse. But the verse she was talking about, it's verses 1 and 2, and it says that, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, entitlement, wrong perspectives, things like that, Right? And especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Mm -hmm. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, right? That's, that's how we do this. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's a champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And he is now seated at the place of honor besides God, beside God's throne. So excellence being our goal uh, begins with us seeing the fact that our position, right, shapes our perspective. So, and what I mean by that is that our position is in Christ. And from that position of in Christ, I now have the perspective that 
I need to have in order to go and pursue excellence. So we won't shoot for anything less than excellent when we have the perspective that we are rooted and seated in Christ. And uh, in Colossians, Paul lays out like kind of who Jesus is, right? And uh, I won't go through the whole thing, but a couple things that he says is that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. That everything was created through him and for him. He is also the head of the church. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So that's our position. That's, that's, we're in him. That's who we're in, right? And because of that position, Paul goes on in Colossians to say that Christ now lives in us, right? So because of that position, because we see that's who we are, we not only see that we can set excellence as our goal, but we can achieve that goal because Christ lives in me. And we can reach everything that he's calling us to. And he will do mighty things through us, and he will do mighty things in us as we pursue that. So, And, you know, some of you in here may be thinking, you know, this sounds great. This sounds great. But I've actually never given my life to Christ, right? And so we want to take a moment for you to be able to do just that. So if everybody will bow your heads, close your eyes, and repeat after me. Jesus, I come to you today. I acknowledge my need for you. I turn from my way and I choose to follow you. Today, I make you my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And with no one looking around, if you said that prayer, if you gave your life to Christ today, can you just slip your hands up? Slip your hands up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, everybody look up at me. Now, so for those of you that have given your lives to, to God today, the Bible says that when one sinner turns to God, that the heavens rejoice, right? So Church 54, can we rejoice with heaven today? Woo! Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. And one more thing before we go. I want to pray for us all. If you say that, you know what, I actually haven't been living excellent. I haven't been living in an excellent spirit. I haven't been giving God my all that I know that I could, right? So if that is you, if you feel comfortable, lift your hands up and receive this today. Father, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for your presence today, God. We thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word is true. I thank you, Lord, that these people, Lord, that we are not just hearers of your word, but that we are doers of your word, God. Father, we surrender our hearts to you. We surrender our lives to you, God, our day-to-day -day basic lives, God, from the, the mountaintop to the valleys, God. We give it to you, Lord, and we say, here you go, Jesus. This is our offering to you, God, that everything we put our hands to, that everything we commit ourselves to, Lord, that we will put forth 110% of all that we are, God. And when we don't hit the mark, we don't 
feel condemned. We don't blame others, Father, but that we use it as a lesson and we do better the next time. Thank you, Jesus, that you make it able for us to do just that, God. We love you, Lord. I pray that every person in this room today, that, Father, you show us um, how to be excellent, how to bring that to our workplace, to our homes, God, in our relationships this week, Father. Have your way. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.